Hi, I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is singer, songwriter, and producer, and author, Taylor Barton. And she just released I Pitched a Tent in Hell. How timely. A searing new audiobook on Audible. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Gina. Um, it's Janine. really nice to be here. Janine, <laughs> it's nice okay. to be here. Sorry, um, it's uh, wonderful to be on your show, and I'm excited to be talking to you and to be talking about my new audio book, um, which has been a long time coming. It took me about 10 years to put together um, wow. over a course of starting and stopping and starting and stopping and this, you know. Yeah, one, life taking over. Life took over, and... I finally finished it and um, bravo. Yeah. <laughs> COVID allowed, allowed me to stop and, and focus on some, you know, serious arts and crafts for several months. And I was really glad I got this time. And I was thinking lately, I've been feeling so relaxed that my normal life, if somebody calls me up and says, you know, something about a work thing, I'm like, <gasps> I, you know, like what? Right. <laughs> Don't break my serenity here. <laughs> so. Exactly. Um, I was going to ask you how you came up with this uh, title, because like I said, it was timely. Who would have thought? Well, um, the book does discuss uh, several losses that I uh, incurred over the last 10 years. One being my sister, my best friend, my mother, a suicide of pretty much my, could have been my daughter, my daughter's best friend. Who oh, I'm so sorry. That's, that's a lot. It was. And then my father. So after I was getting through these things one by one, and when my father passed in 2019, I was just done, <laughs> done <laughs> with death. So I um, was invited to this um, grief counseling at a rescue horse farm. And okay. the, the counselor was so cool. And she's like, you ought to write a book called I Pitched a Tent in Hell. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? That's a really good idea. So I took, I took her title and finished it, you know, with that. And I didn't know when I started this this uh, book that I was going to be facing all these things. I started this book as a sort of the best of Taylor Barton's songs and stories behind what, you know, propelled these lyrics or songs. And it became something completely different and a, and a totally different journey. And, um, Amazing. and also a real um, ode to my hometown, uh, Maryland, which I oh. lost because all of the family members died and I don't live there anymore. So sure. There's a lot of songs uh, about horses because I grew up around, uh, my grandfather was a steeplechase rider. rider mm -hmm. and, um, I just have a lot of metaphors of horses in my songs. That's so and, nice. Yeah, and um, my daughter is... I adopted my daughter from China and she was in born in the year of the horse. Interesting. And, um, all of it seemed to tie together. And uh, 
the book is very personal and yet very, you know, I wanted to invite other people who were going through, you know, heavy, as we all are now. Yeah. I mean, we all are. There isn't anybody who couldn't relate to this. So sure. it was um, a real privilege to come out on Audible, which is actually blowing up with these kind of books now with words and music. You know, um, T-Bone Burnett wrote, just released one. Cheryl Crow released one. St. Vincent released one. And I didn't realize that. Yep. Um, they're, they're all different. Yeah. We're all very different in our themes, but mm -hmm. it's a new um, series that they're doing. And Audible just got a huge uh, amount of backing from LA to start uh, sponsoring some pretty cool stories. So it's coming into its own. It's been around but it's coming into its own. That's amazing. Yeah. So. That's, well, they, they've really uh, pivoted with the times. I mean, they've always been pretty popular, but now more so than ever. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, for me, you know, I, I was listening to their books like on walks or long mm -hmm. drives. Yeah. And now everybody is walking. And I, I think there's just so much more opportunity to listen because they're also, you know, tired of Zoom and, they're tired of Netflix and they can't go anywhere and they can't see anything so they can listen. And it's not as trying to the psyche. Right. Exactly. And you get to learn something, which is optimistic, uplifting, exactly. you know, you have a book on audible too, don't you? I do. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and yours is an uplifting, get yourself out of your funk. It right? sure is. Yes, it is. Which yeah. is wonderful that you're there trying to help, serve your community as well by putting a book out like that. Thank you. You know, I'll share something with you. Uh, December 29th, 2010, I got a phone call that my best friend from high school had died. Right. And I find out that it was suicide. Oh. And I was, that's why you said you lost somebody 10 years ago, correct? Yes. Well, uh, this actually today is the day that the little girl committed suicide. It's so weird. Oh. I'm talking to you. Um, it, it happened three years ago. And then a, a best friend committed suicide on the same day last year. So oh. not, not as not as close to me as as this little girl who was my daughter's crib mate in the orphanage that we went to. But it was so, oh. as you know, it is so it is so renting and the obsession and the what if I why didn't yes. I or couldn't yes. I have and you know anger and why didn't she it, yeah. was, it was so hard all of that to walk through and yeah and, you know and and then the mother who I love you know you lose so much when you lose just one person I read in an article one person committing suicide affects 125 people I can right believe that. In a domino effect of yeah. just their inner circle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, I'm sh it, as you wrote, why don't you expand on what you were about to say? I kind of cut in there. No, no, it was fine. I'm glad to hear from you. Um, what I was going to say is, so I lost my friend and I was in this major funk. So I took a year off from radio and I was hosting a music show at the station at KUCI. And it was called Mom's Rock the House. 
Long story short, I decided to start this talk show, Get the Funk Out, to help me. But also I was thinking, well, what about other people? This will give them a platform to share their stories or their journeys. And, and I love talking to filmmakers, actors, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always a story. There's always yeah. a backstory to something. But how we go through life's turbulent times is everything. You know, I always say there's two paths, the negative and the positive. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, uh, it's easy to wallow and it's more challenging to get yourself up. But um, I was determined with all of these deaths to not be that person who wasn't going to get up. I mean, I just not that person. I, right. I, I had too much invested in my life to just lay down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, it was hard to grapple with all the grief and it, it might've come out sideways sometimes cause I wasn't really dealing with it. Yeah. But um, then I, I really did deal with it. And, and uh, the, the horses on this rest, you know, this place where they held this grief group, I couldn't figure out why we were, we were messing with horses and chickens and goats and, and doing exercises with them. And what I realized was that it brought you in the here and now, it was in the present moment. And those animals had so much compassion, but you also couldn't help but love them too. So sure. you, were, you were pulled out of your mission gosh. Yes. And just like, <laughs> oh, you know, look at this horse, or look, look at, at this that horse. Thing. Yeah. You know, and and uh, they they did one exercise that I always tell people about where they made us stand in a line and turn our backs to the horses and they had the horses charge us. And I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> but they were, it was really smart. And it was like they were trying to teach us that, you know, in grief, you have boundaries and that there's all these people coming at you with you know, a flood of, oh, I'm sorry. And then they're gone or whatever, but there's only so much one should have to put up with and just say, I'm not available right now. Right. Because we're also fragile. Yes. And so that was, of course, uh, an amazing experience. And And this woman and several people who ran it were hospice workers and they are Mm. just amazing people. Wow. You know, so uh, that's a certain kind of person. It's a certain kind of person and dealing with with people in in their wrecked states is uh, it's a it's a privilege and it's a blessing too. you know, because you're you're just really for real with everybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. My kitty is right here. So cute. What's your cat's name? Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, we got got a Floyd when GE was on the road with Roger Waters. So his name became Floyd. You know what? I was going to ask if it had anything to do with Pink Floyd. So, so cool. Name is Floyd. Rescued off the streets of Harlem. Oh, as a kitten? Yes. Aww. I want to ask you to give me a little glimpse of your backstory about when you first knew that you were going to be a musician. Well, I didn't know I was going to be a musician. I knew I was going to be a writer for sure in my teenage life. I was always writing lyrics and hiding them in, you know, drawers so nobody would find them. And 
singing, you know, songs. I, I imagine I was a big fan of Stevie Nicks, Joni Mitchell, uh, Neil Young, but the music, I, I was a dancer and a writer and singing in theater shows first. And then I met GE on SNL, I was working there dancing and doing whatever they wanted me to for okay. five years. And I was singing and, and writing songs, but it was, he put the guitar in my hand and I really didn't want to learn. I got to admit. Really? Why? <laughs> Why do I have to do this? You know, I, I already, I'm doing so much. And then, you know, he's like, just start one or two chords, you know, and, and don't get, you know, too overwhelmed, watch TV or something. And, and, you know, sure enough, 30 years later, I'm, I can play what I need to play. It's amazing. Um, I, I write a lot of songs on the guitar now. Sometimes I write them on the piano. Sometimes I just write them walking. And I think of myself as a good strummer. Well, you're humble. I, I want to just interject something because I have this on my show blog, Taylor. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Taylor Barton. You've released 10 critically acclaimed CDs and won 10 ASCAP awards. That's, so, true. that's a lot of talent. <laughs> it's, it's, it's thank you. Um, I, I, I feel, um, I feel ASCAP has been very nice to me and, and I have always been working and I, I don't expect to stop writing at all, ever. It's like Matisse got right. to paint on the ceiling. You know, I don't yeah. think a songwriter ever has to stop writing. And there's been so many great songwriters who still are writing or the one who recently passed John Prine. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many great songwriters out there and that's to differentiate from musicians because writers don't necessarily have to be great players but they have to be really good and 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 create an incredible song for musicians to shine too you know i yes. mean it's if the song isn't there it's like okay you know sure yeah, because you could have, you know, four chords, but yeah. if the message is powerful, you don't have to be shredding. Right, exactly. And you can write a beautiful song on two chords. Yeah. You know, depending on what kind of soul you put into it. Yes. Or you can have a, a platinum song like G.E.'s Wayne's World, which was two chords. Two? Written in a, a rehearsal, which made them the most money ever. That's crazy. It is crazy. Written in a rehearsal. Yep. They had to do it for a sketch and they ended up, uh, you know, that went multi-platinum. Amazing. Yeah. So you never know. What did it feel like you meet G. Smith and you're backstage with all these musicians like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Jerry Garcia. What, what did that feel like to you? It was just incredible. I mean, it was, I knew when I was young that I wanted to, be good enough to meet the, the masters, so mm -hmm. to speak. It was just my dream. I left my hometown going, I'm going to meet them. And um, I remember one time GE was playing with, I can't remember who he was playing with. We were in Madison Square Garden and I was standing there and this nice, cute guy with a flannel shirt is standing next to me. And I wasn't really like really looking at him quite yet. And then he jumps up on stage and it was Bruce Springsteen. And I was <laughs> Oh my God. Or, you know, oh, just um, some guy in a flannel shirt. Yeah. Or standing, I saw like 
thousands of Dylan shows because GE was his sideman. And Dylan is by far, I am so indebted to Dylan. He, he taught me to just keep trying to turn the word and get those lyrics more than a rhyme. I mean, he was the best writer and, and he reinvented the song every night. That's amazing. Watching him was, was uh, I, I couldn't have been luckier to study Dylan. And again, I was standing there at a concert at the Hollywood Bowl and a nice English chap was talking to me. And again, he had a beard or whatever. I wasn't quite cued in. And I said to G, oh, that guy was so nice. And he said, that is George Harrison. And I was like, oh, my God, you're you're right. He has a beard. Garcia was amazing. We were at a Neil Young concert that he did every year for to benefit uh, his sons. And I was sitting with GE and Tom Petty and Neil and Jerry Garcia and Dylan. Mm -hmm. And I was huge Deadhead fan. Mm -hmm. And he started playing a friend of the devil really slow. And I was like, oh, oh. You know, how lucky am I? How did this happen to me? Sure. You know, so I I always felt, and also because of them, you know, I've never felt like I was the best or anything. I just felt like I'm answering a lot of the questions they might've put out in songs and then wrote my song back to it. So- Oh, I like that. I, I am very- invested in all songwriters. I know some songwriters don't like to listen to other songwriters, but I'm the opposite. I I get very inspired by other songwriters. I Mm -hmm. stop the car sometimes when I hear like, oh my God, that person just wrote something so smart. Who are they? What are they? You know, the Shazam, who is that? Um, Young, old, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm very inspired by young songwriters right now too. Sure. So um, it's a it's a universal language for me. It's my religion. Yes, it, yes, it very spiritual. Yeah, and I remember being in high school, or even junior high. I, I guess it was fourteen, fifteen, and being in my room in Connecticut, and hearing Hall and Oates and writing down all the lyrics, not knowing the GE was the guitarist at the time. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even Tom Petty, I used to write down lyrics to Tom Petty because it resonated me, with me, especially the Wildflowers album. Yeah. So for you to tell me, oh, I was just sitting with Tom Petty. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, was, I, I loved it. I, I couldn't believe that I was in this uh, front line, you know, witness to the best rockers out there. Right. I mean, it, it was incredible, but I... I also knew that this was something I did and I never pretended to be great. Like, I mean, when I was writing my first song on Bob Dylan's tour bus, I was like, oh, well, you know, what is this? And if he asked me what I did, I would be like, uh, I'm a gardener. You know, like, really? You wouldn't tell yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. You're a gardener? Well, you know, Paul McCartney, I met him once. What do you do? I'm like, uh, I work a lot in landscaping. Um, it was so in, it was so hard for me to own up to it in front of these people. But You had imposter syndrome. Yeah, I guess I did. Uh, if, if there is a, that, that is a good. Uh, that is a term. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew like 500 songs into it. Okay, you know, I do this too. I'm just not you know, uh, like a 
uh, icon. That's and, okay. And I'm a, I'm a under the radar songwriter. And I was thinking about this yesterday. There are so many good non-household name songwriters like Mary Gauthier. Uh, that you know, there's there's a, a a whole crew of people who have toured the roadhouses. Yeah. Who, you know, city to city, everybody knows them, but but the world might not know them, and they're, yes. they're so good, you know, so good. So right. I I fall into that school. I mean, I'm I'm not giving myself that that star, but I'm giving them that star. Like I just city wineries, they don't have them in California, but they they host a lot of them, and you know, Paula Cole, which who's well, Paula oh, Cole's beautiful, beautiful. I singer. heard her perform. Yeah, yeah, and um. You know, my dear friend, Roseanne Cash, who is well known, uh, you know, there's there's just these beautiful artists out there versus celebrity, you know. Right. Artists. Yes. That I love. That's amazing. Yeah. What are you doing right now to take really good care of yourself during COVID? Well, I am taking really good care of myself. I uh, meditate in the morning. I do yoga. I eat a non-inflammatory diet. Yeah, me too. I, I walk like four miles a day. Yeah. I, um, I tr- listen to my daughter, who's extremely smart um, and obsessed with Van Gogh, uh, teach me more about Van Gogh. But <laughs> um, GE and I do, uh, we play a lot together at home. It's really sad, I think, especially for him to not be playing with a band, but he and I play together. That's good. In the afternoon, just to try to keep things going. I just finished a positive psychology course with Johns Hopkins, and it was all about helping people. You know, most of it's focused on well-being and the things that you do for yourself, which I've been doing a whole lifetime. But, um, you know, where psychology was more focused on sort of just treating the suffering the well-being moves it to, you know, a new direction. Sure. And um, I think it's so interesting. You took it at Yale, but it's with something I just, I became a contact tracer. And then I took this course oh. to keep my mind so that I wasn't going in, you know, falling into like a hole. In right. That, that you can't get out of. Day yeah. Where it was sort of like, okay, I did this, this, and this. And now all I can do is think about myself and how awful this is. You know, right. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm going right. to do something else. And, and uh, yeah, that's so cool that you did that too. Oh, it was, I think it was March, March or in April. And I would walk and it, Dr. Lori Santos is very popular. Over 3 million people have taken this course through Coursera. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it Coursera, was, that's what, maybe that's part of what I'm going to about to do. Did you do a five course thing? No, it's just one course, the science of well-being. Look it up. Science of Wellbeing, Dr. Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, Santos, S-A-N-T-O-S. Okay, this might be part of my whole, I'm supposed to do five. I finished one. Yeah. I just did this last month. So cool. So good. Ah. It's so good. What else would you like people to know about you? I want them to know that I deeply care about people and I have a lot of compassion for people and I want them to know that they are, they don't have to suffer and that I wrote my music to meet them halfway. Mm. That's what I want them to know. 
so that they would have someone to let them know they're not alone if they're suffering in, in both the happy and the sad songs that I wrote. I love that. Well, that's what music does, right? Yes. That's what it should I, do. That's I amazing. Mean, when I was young, I would fall asleep when I was 13 with three records on. One would be Joni Mitchell. One would be Neil Young. Joni Mitchell's was Ladies of the Canyon, Harvest. And then the third one was uh, sort of America, which I always fell asleep to. But I, I, I wondered how much of that was so ingrained because I listened to it every night for, you know. Like six, subconsciously ingrained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just let the, the old Victrola, you know, drop the records and play them. That's so cool. I, I really do uh, love all kinds of artists. Uh, I Shout out to Jeff Bridges, send him love out there in California. I know he lives out there. Um, and I love painters. I think painters tell some pretty stories. Yes. And uh, God, I hope we get out to California to play soon. That would be great. It would be fantastic. If not, I'm coming to New York. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome here. We're, we're wide open in our um, bed and breakfast. I don't want to forget. What did you say about a bed and breakfast? Well, we have this huge house. So oh, we, okay. We fondly uh, refer to it the, the bed That's and breakfast. That's nice. Yeah. I wanted to bring up the fact that you have another project, your executive producer of Portraits, a musical series. Yes. Yes. Can you just give us a little info on that one? Yes, that came about in 2015. Um, GE had kind of gotten off the road with Roger Waters, and I had produced uh, a thing for Summer Stage in Central Park the year before, and I really liked being in that position. So I brought the sort of this concept out where GE would be the host, and I would go and find painters, writers, singers, uh, sometimes filmmakers who also are musicians and have them come play their songs. And GE can play anybody's song. He is, you know, he can do anything. And then GE would chat with them about their, um, their craft and how filmmaking might relate to the song making or how painting the picture lends itself to, uh, beginning, middle, and end of, you know, crafting a song or anything. So we ended up getting such a cool collection of people from Ethan Hawke to the Bacon Brothers, to the Avett Brothers, to Dawes, to Roger Waters, to Billy Squire, to uh, <laughs> Paula Cole and Sarah Jarose. Um, we've had uh, Trevor Hall, who is a beautiful, young soulful Indian spirit. I mean, real India, Indian mm-hmm. spirit. Uh, I mean, amazing stories. And it took off like wildfire. The East Hampton community just loved it. So I've produced five seasons of it. We do three shows a summer and we have tried to sort of move it into, we filmed one this summer with Joseph Arthur who is also a painter, very cool songwriter. And um, we did it as a streaming event. That's great. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was just something I really loved putting together different 
different artists and a G and also it's really cool to see GE playing every single artist's song list. Oh yes. Like he can just play and it's he Loudon Wainwright. I mean, it's just amazing watching these people. And some of them are sort of not sure when they're signing on for it, what they're signing on for. And every time afterwards they were like, that was incredible. That's great. So, that's that probably better happy. sometimes to not know what you're signing up for. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me really happy though. That, and, it, and it makes the community happy. And, um, you know, so hopefully next summer, the Guild Hall is where we host it. We're having Yorma Kalkinen on for sure to host. He's turning 80 uh. next week. And it's Guild Hall's 90th anniversary. So Yorma is Amazing. the all-time amazing songwriter who we love incredible so that'll be next summer yeah yep he's down so that's one of them i would love to be there even have to wear a hazmat suit (laughs) (laughs) hopefully we're not gonna have to i hope not we've got got the um vaccine but it's i hope so i hope so i want to mention where people can find you if they go to taylorbarton.com t-a-y-l-o-r taylorbarton.com or instagram Taylor Barton underscore Taylor Barton. Okay. Find I pitched a tent at in hell on audible.com or Amazon or iTunes and all my other work, all the other 10 CDs. If you like the songs from audible.com, you can find my songs on iTunes. And it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, you too. And, and if your listeners don't know, you're so beautiful. Thank you. You're very sweet. Okay. Well, and my room is so clean. And your room is as cool as I want to live in that loft. That's what people say. I want to live in that room. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's so funny. Except I get busted if I'm having a Zoom late in the day and they're like, wait, it's, it looks like daylight right now, but it's really dark outside. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm busted. Tell them it's the Northern Lights. They're supposed to be shining, of course, not where you live, but they are yeah. here. I saw it when we started that it was beautiful sky behind you. The sun was setting. And now it's, it's, now it's uh, dark. Yeah. It, this is the plight of the East coasters. It's dark at five o'clock. We have been doing a thing called Sunday Vespers with the Smiths. So we've posted on our Instagram, either G and I doing a song or our daughter reading from her Van Gogh book. We're going to do a, a trilogy GE in a song, Josie reading, and me doing something to, uh, you know, advertise the Audible. I love it. Lockdown has become a, it's just a long meditation. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of introspection and learning moments. Yep. And also, I got to say, I got through a lot of stuff that I did not want to deal with for over the last nine months, a lot of administrative Mm -hmm. stuff. I'm finally to the end of it. That's good. So God bless you and 2021. Wonderful thank, meeting you. Wonderful meeting you. And thank you for um, having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. Thank All you. Right.